Does my neck look stiff? Next on the Midweek Move. Hey everyone, welcome to the Midweek Move. I am Scott, and once again, our guest today is Dallas. How are you today? I'm well, sir. How are you? I'm good. Are you looking forward to Acts chapter 7? I really am, actually. <laughs> I really am excited about going through this chapter because there's a lot to it. All right. We have been walking through the scriptures, and last we left you at the Midweek Move. Uh, we left you at Acts chapter 6. And the last thing that we left you with was Stephen, full of faith and power, this mighty man of God, wonders, signs being done. He's called in. Uh, he's called on the carpet. He's um, Although they're bringing heavy persecution against him, they still are kind of leery of messing with him a little right. bit because they literally, it says in the last verse of chapter 6, verse 15, it says, when they looked at him, they saw his face as the face of an angel. Right. This is kind of like the cliffhanger for the discussion. Right. It's like, <laughs> um, it's like stay tuned next week. It's like, <laughs> what's going to happen? So what we're doing is we're kind of giving you the pre-roll to the right. next episode. Right? Last time in Acts chapter Last 6. Last week on Midweek Move, <laughs> we left Stephen <laughs> in the midst of the council. So... We see Stephen, again, he's this man full of faith and power. He, in all terminology of the scripture, he seems to be a compassionate man, yet seems to be a man who walks in heavy authority, um, but a humble man, uh, a man who, who ideally is full of faith, full of power, wonders and signs being done everywhere. The religious have issues with him. The political people have issues with him. But yet nobody wants to touch him right. again because they see that there's something on this guy that it may not turn out well for them if right. they do something to him. <laughs> so we now come to Acts chapter 7 and verse number 1. Then the high priest said, are these things so? So everything they've been discussing, they br brought false ac accusation against Stephen. So the high priest says, are these things so? And he said, brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran. So the high priest is asking, are these things so? Stephen gets an opportunity to, to speak to these things. And instead of just going, no, yes, well, no, they were wrong. I didn't say those things. He is about to step into... A history lesson. Right. He is about to lay out a history lesson, and it is going to make so much sense. It's going to speak to their heart condition. Right. And it makes so much sense when we get to the end of this history lesson right. of what has happened to these people he's speaking to. Right. And another important aspect to understand, he's given this history lesson because one of the things that they falsely are accusing him of is trying to throw out the traditions of Moses as if he was disrespecting who Moses was at the beginning. So this start off, he's almost like, oh, you want to talk about Moses? Let's talk about Moses. <laughs> it's almost like somebody who who tries to use the word as an argument against you, yet you have more of a knowledge of the word. They're trying to bring accusation sure. against you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have more knowledge of it. It's almost like somebody that kind of thinks that maybe you don't know that much about the word, and so they just kind of throw something out there, and then all of a sudden you just start going, boom, boom, right. boom, <laughs> boom, boom. And it's like, oh, I probably shouldn't have said anything at all, right? <laughs> so 
Stephen, as you rightly pointed out, the the accusation against him is blasphemy, not just against God, but against Moses. Mm -hmm. So he goes all the way back. Right. He doesn't start with Moses. He goes (laughs) all the way back. And you have to realize that these names that he's bringing out for these religious leaders, these names are in certain terminology, almost worshipped. These Mm -hmm. figures were almost worshipped. Right. Not just adhered to what they wrote or what they experienced, but they're almost looked at as these godlike figures as far as you talking about a religious Jew. Right. So Stephen says, Brethren and fathers, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he dwelt in Haran and said to him, Get out of your country and from your relatives and come to a land I will show you. There he's quoting the scriptures, of course, the Old Testament scriptures. Then he came out of the land of the Chaldeans and dwelt in Haran. And from there, when his father was dead, he moved him to a land in which you now dwell. I think this is important because they're speaking. He's speaking about Abraham, who was a not a believer right. and in a foreign territory, who's being called out of that into not just a land, but into a relationship with a God that he did not grow up knowing about. Exactly. Very, very interesting here. Verse 5, And God gave him no inheritance in it, not even enough to set his foot on, but even when Abraham had no child, he promised to give it to him for a possession and to his descendants after him. Here he's kind of dealing with Abraham. He is a man of faith, even though he comes from no faith. Right. He is a man of faith. Right. This is such a key. But God spoke in this way that his descendants would dwell in a foreign land and that they would bring uh, them into bondage and oppress them 400 years. And the nation to whom they will be in bondage, I will judge, said God, and after that they shall come out and serve me in this place. And then he gave him the covenant of circumcision. And so Abraham begot Isaac and circumcised him on the eighth day. And Isaac begot Jacob and Jacob begot the 12 patriarchs. Now, Dallas, why is this so important that Stephen is kind of laying this stuff out to him. Well, again, he's laying out their, their entirety of their history. This is, uh, he's summarizing the entire book of Genesis right here, right now. I remember a couple years ago, we did a series, I think it was Threads that we did was a series. Threads, yeah. And yeah, we yeah. did, it was like six months just going through the book of Genesis. Yep. He's doing that in what may be three paragraphs right here. Right. But he's laying up the groundwork for going, let me make sure you guys understand where we have come from. I'm one of you guys. Yep. I am a I am a Jew just like you. I've grown up in this faith. I understand what's going on. And again, he's setting them up for them to understand something bigger at the the back end of the stuff of where they've come from and their history of denying uh, what's been presented to them over the years. So key. He is really not separating himself from them. Right. He is bringing him so many times. I think when we when we share our faith, we almost bring ourselves into another category, mm. almost the upper echelon of yeah. Our it's faith. almost like we're not human, right? Like you, right. right? It's almost like we take ourselves out of us and we bring it to you. Mm-hmm. And when you do that, you're already setting up a bound. You're already setting up a wall or a or a blockade mm-hmm. to to them coming to faith that doesn't need to be there, right? Because we're all human. We're all imperfect. God, you know, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And it's so important that Stephen, in his wisdom, mm-hmm. which it said he was full of faith and full of wisdom, right? He's not separating himself from them. He's putting himself. 
uh, in that. And all the great prophets did this. Mm-hmm. All the great men and women of God did this throughout the Scripture. And you can see the ones who didn't do this, right. how they failed. Exactly. Because Old Testament prophets, they would never just say, you, you, you. They would say, we, we. Yeah. right? Not separating themselves. So it's very key. And he is walking them through, just like you said, he's walking them through their faith. Mm-hmm. <laughs> not going, hey, I'm a believer in Jesus and I'm over here. Right. Our faith, this is what our faith says. Right. You're saying that I'm bringing blasphemy against our faith. Right. But here is our faith. Exactly. Verse 9. And then the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Now, this is key here. This is still Stephen speaking. Mm -hmm. We're not just moving on, reading verses in the Bible. He's still speaking. And the patriarchs, becoming envious, sold Joseph into Egypt, but God was with him. Now, he's setting up, he's building up this this almost like a Hebrews, uh, 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 heroes of faith kind of, uh, uh, he's building blocks of faith. And delivered him out of all of his troubles, verse 10, and gave him favor and wisdom in the presence of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he made him governor over Egypt and all his house. Now a famine and great trouble came over all the land of Egypt and Canaan, and our fathers found no sustenance. Again, he's not just saying, hey, these people were victorious. It's awesome. Here's bad stuff that have happened to us as well. He's been real honest and open about the conversation. So I think sometimes... We, we like to forget there were terrible things in our history, <laughs> stuff like that. But he's going, this is the good, the bad, and the ugly of, what we've, of who we've been. That's right. That's such a great point. One thing that came up actually on campus um, on Sunday was this whole remember, mm-hmm. be reminded, not just of the good things, right? but be reminded of the difficult things. And I think for us as believers sometimes, it's almost like we want to... Uh, when we're sharing the gospel, we're sharing with somebody, we want them to accept the gospel so much that we only tell them the victorious stories of our past, right. and then we almost diminish when we didn't know God. Mm-hmm. And I was reminded of this Sunday on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a friend of mine showed up out of the blue. Uh, my best friend in high school, right. she was like a sister to me, mm-hmm. and she showed up out of nowhere. I mean, just walked around the corner Tanya knew it was going to happen, and she walks around the corner, and I looked at her, and I was just like, is this really happening right now? Right. (laughs) And one thing about that, and I was just thinking about this, is that my relationship with her, I can't diminish the goodness of that relationship Mm -hmm. before I knew Christ, because God was still with me then, even when I didn't know All the way through it. God was still moving. God, God... put me and her together as friends, and I didn't even know God was doing that, even for such a time as Sunday on campus at the Healing Place, that, uh, you know, she's walked through a, an, an interesting journey and a lot of pain and a lot of hurt, mm-hmm. but knowing that her brother, mm-hmm. her friend, she <laughs> could go to a healing place, right. right, and it would be a safe place. Yeah. So Stephen is not removing himself from the equation. Right. He's not whitewashing their history. Mm-hmm. He's laying it all out as is. Which is essential. This past Sunday, uh, our youth pastor, Jaron, gave me the opportunity to speak with the students and uh, uh, kind of dove into some early church history, and we dealt with the, the Gnostics. And one of the big things with the Gnostics were that they were removing all of the fleshly aspects of the gospel, which is we dealt with sin, we dealt with hard things. For them, 
it's all about the spirit and all the feel good stuff. I jokingly call them, they're kind of the hippies of, of the early church. But part of that removal is dealing with the hard things of repentance, dealing with the hard things of, of going, maybe we were wrong with stuff. And um, that's kind of what he's done with here is an early form of that where maybe they're dealing, well, that's all good. It's all clean and fresh. No, it, it hasn't. There are hard fleshly things we've that's had right. to deal with. And he's laying that out for them. And we have to wrestle. We've got to wrestle right. with those things. We've got to wrestle with our faith. So it says in verse uh, 12, but when Jacob heard that there was grain in Egypt, he sent out our fathers first. And the second time Joseph made known to his brothers and Joseph's family became known to the Pharaoh. Then Joseph sent and called his father Jacob and all his relatives to him, 75 people. So Jacob went down to Egypt and he died, he and our fathers. And they were carried back to Shechem and laid in the tomb that Abraham bought for a sum of money from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. Now you can be reading this right now and follow along with us and go, man, this really doesn't mean anything and these names and this is all weird and maybe I don't have to read this. You don't have to read it, but it helps the context of everything he's saying right now. <laughs> exactly. It's almost like trying to go to the like that eighth chapter of a book and try to figure out what's going on if you didn't read the, you know, the previous seven chapters. Exactly. So he says, but when the time of the promise drew near, which God had sworn to Abraham, the people grew and multiplied in Egypt till another king arose who did not know Joseph. And this man dealt treacherously with our people, oppressed our forefathers, making them expose their babies so that they may not live. Man, he's dealing with some heavy, heavy stuff. At this time, Moses was born and was well-pleasing to God, and he was brought up in his father's house for three months. But when he was set out, so he's, he's just walking through all of this about troubled times come, God sends a deliverer. Troubled mm -hmm. times come, God sends a deliverer. God is always moving on their behalf, whether they know it or not. And so he says, uh, but when he was set out, Pharaoh's daughter took him away and brought him up as her own son. And Moses was learned in all the wisdom of the Egyptians and was mighty in words and deeds. And now when he was 40 years old, it came into his heart to visit his brethren, the children of Israel. And seeing one of them suffer wrong, he defended and avenged him who was oppressed and struck down the Egyptian. For he supposed that his brethren would have understood that God would not deliver them by his hand, but that they did not understand. And the next day he appeared two of them as they were fighting and tried to reconcile them, saying, men are you brethren? Why do you do wrong to one another? But he who did his neighbor wrong pushed him away, saying, Who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you want to kill me as you did the Egyptians yesterday? <laughs> wow. Man. Talk about, mm, this is some heavy stuff. Yeah. Then it is this saying, Moses fled and became a dweller in the land of Midian, where he had two sons. And when 40 years had passed, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire and bush in the wilderness of Mount Sinai. When Moses saw it, he marveled at the sight. And as he drew near to observe, the voice of the Lord came to him, saying, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses trembled and dared not look. And then the Lord said to him, Take your sandals off, for the place where you stand is holy ground. And I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their groaning and have come down to deliver them. And now come, I will send you to Egypt. And this Moses whom they've rejected, saying, Who made you a ruler and a judge is the one God sent to be a ruler and delivered by the hand of the angel who appeared to him in the bush. And he brought them out, and after he had shown wonders and signs in the land of Egypt and the Red Sea and in the wilderness 40 years. <laughs> like Stephen is, they have brought this accusation, again, going back to the original purpose of the whole situation. Right. 
false accusations against him that he's blaspheming God and he's blaspheming Moses. Right. Those are the two accusations. Right. Right here in all of this, he's laying the foundation that he is for God. Right. He knows what happened, not only to Moses, but to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He knows the history. Right. He honors the history. Mm. He follows the history. Right. He follows the teachings. Right. All of that is being laid out here, not leaving out any of the bad stuff. Exactly. He's laying everything out. And again, I can only imagine what's happening right now. Like the, the those who are watching, like that you could you could probably you could almost feel the cringe in the room. They're going, oh, wait a minute. Like the guys that were paid, because some of these guys were paid off to lie against them. They're going, ooh, maybe I shouldn't have taken those coins. That's right. <laughs> it almost reminds me of like when you're watching a, a show or something and it goes not off script, but they're in the scene. And when they're in the scene, all of a sudden someone looks directly into the camera and they're like saying something, right? Right. So I can see all these guys and then all of a sudden the scene just, Steven's still talking in the background, but you can't hear him as loudly. Right. And all of a sudden the guy looks at the camera and goes, what did we just do? <laughs> right. It was at this point or where he looks at the camera up. and he says, I thought I was doing the right thing until <laughs> like, man. Oh, yeah. Now you see why. Stephen was called a man full of faith, right. full of wisdom. Right. He didn't just start talking about something. He knew exactly right. what he needed to say. And on top of that, we know why he was chosen by the apostles to be one of those initial, basically elders or deacons for the early church. It's because he knew his stuff. Yeah. He showed himself approved. Again, going back to what we talked about when the deacons were chosen was that they were chosen to serve the tables. That did not mean they did not know the Word of God. That exactly. did not mean that they didn't do signs and wonders. That didn't mean, listen, this is important. Don't look, and and we're not pulling this out of this. It's all being taken care of right here. Mm. Stephen is functioning in faith, right. in wisdom, in the gifts of the Spirit, right. but yet he was chosen to serve tables. Right. Never think that what you're doing when you serve the Lord is diminishing right? Mm -hmm. The fullness of the gifts that God has made available, not just to the super 12, right. but to everybody, that they all may prophesy. Stephen is prophesying. He's praying in the Holy Spirit. He's <laughs> full of faith. He's seeing signs. He's laying hands on the sick. He's seeing them recover. He's seeing miracles, and he's still serving widows and orphans. Right. Exactly. Exactly. So all right. Good. Verse 37. This is that Moses who said to the children of Israel, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your brethren whom you shall hear. And this is he who was in the congregation in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai. And with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to give to us, whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected. This is key because now he's kind of <laughs> shifting gears right here. Right. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt, saying, Aaron, make us gods to go before us. As for this Moses who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And they made a calf in those days, offered sacrifices to the idol, rejoiced in the works of their own hands. And then God turned and gave them up to worship the host of heaven, as it is written in the book of the prophets. Did you offer me slaughtered animals and sacrifices during 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You also took up the tabernacle of Moloch. That's a... <laughs> Talk about an indictment. Yeah. Man, this is like, I mean, he is saying you are you are 
demon worshipers. Right. Like our forefathers. Right. They made a shift. Up until this point, he's talking about how God was for them mm-hmm. and how God led them and how God put people in positions to help lead them toward what God was doing. But now it shifts, and now it's God did everything for our forefathers. Right. And they still turned their backs on God. Right, which has a lot of even bigger death for them because, again, they called Moses, not just Moses the rabbi, but Moses my teacher. There was a person like, this is the man who taught us. We honor his teachings yep. above. And right off the bat, he has a, in verse 37, we see that Moses gave them the first prophecies about Jesus, <laughs> yep. and they rejected it. Not just that they go, no, that's weird. They went and worshiped false idols and demons. That is a great point. Verse 37. Now, I know we're in 43, but <laughs> verse 37, Dallas brings up an amazing point that Moses is prophesying about Jesus the Messiah who is coming. Right. And he is prophesying that this is the one you're going to hear and this is the one you're looking for, and they rejected it. Mm-hmm. See, Jesus wasn't just rejected after he was born. Right. He was rejected before he even came. Exactly. Although they were crying out for a deliverer, mm-hmm. and all the prophets were telling them, there is one coming who's greater than me. Right. David said, the Lord of my Lord. Right. Right? The Lord of my Lord. Um, uh, all the prophets, Isaiah said, there's a suffering servant who's coming. Jeremiah, the weeping prophet, they all prophesied about this ultimate deliverer who was coming. Right. And they rejected the prophetic word. Exactly. And he got down near verse 39, but our fathers refused to obey him. Instead, they rejected him. They have a history of reject. That's kind of what he's setting up for because he's presenting the gospel. All he's been doing is presenting the gospel. Yep. That's always been, hey, the Messiah is here. He's come. And they're like, oh, you're, you're trying to get rid of our teachings of Moses. He's like, oh, you have a history of this, by the way. Did you know that? That's right. That's right. All right. So it says in verse 43, you also took up the tabernacle of Moloch and the star of your God, Remphram. I mean, this is heavy stuff. This is like idol. This isn't just idol work, worship. Mm-hmm. This is paganism. Mm-hmm. This is anti-God. This is images which you made to worship, and I will carry you away beyond Babylon. So he's Stephen is quoting the Old Testament scriptures. And then in verse 44, it says, Our fathers had the tabernacle of witness in the wilderness as he appointed, instructing Moses to make it according to the pattern he had seen, which our fathers, having received it in turn, also brought with Joshua in the land possessed by the Gentiles, whom God drove out before the face of our fathers until the days of David, who found favor before God and asked to find a dwelling for the God of Jacob. But Solomon built him a house. Mm-hmm. However... The Most High does not dwell in temples made with hands, as the prophet says. <laughs> Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. What house will you build for me, says the Lord? Or what is the place of my rest? Has my hand not made all these things? Now he is shifting it into, and he's bringing it all back to Jesus. Mm-hmm. Because in Jesus now, it's not a temple made with stone. Jesus is the chief cornerstone, and he's building a people, a body. Right. Right? And now we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. Like he's completely shifted now into, okay, I've given you the history lesson. Now let's talk about right now. Exactly. Exactly. It's not a temple of stone anymore. Right. We are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Which that temple of stone is one of those things we're accusing him of, of saying that he was trying to tear down. Right. Like he's showing them. He's like, 
we worshiped him in a tent. That wasn't it. We worshiped him in, in a in a stone temple. This right here. But the God says, I was never meant to be in this place. That's right. And that's why he says, verse 51, <laughs> you stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, mm. you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Man, he's like, you're talking about all these amazing prophets, yet our fathers persecuted every single one of them. Exactly. Everyone loves you when you're dead. Mm. God, oh my. Let me say that again. Everyone loves you when you're dead. Man, I really wish that I could have been around when Jonathan Edwards was around and preaching the gospel. No, no you, you don't. don't. <laughs> Man, Charles Finney, what a prophet of fire. I would have I would have been on my face before God in those meetings. You would have been sprinting and running away. You probably would have put him on blast mm -hmm. for not being woke enough, not know enough, not being relevant <laughs> enough, not being caring enough, not soothing your affections or your emotions enough. Preaching too long. Oh, man, Smith Wigglesworth, I love him. What would you have done with him when he threw that baby off the platform mm. across the altar area to his mother? He would have been put in jail. Yep. You'd have been the first one to put him on blast on, oh, Amy Simple McPherson, what a woman of God. What a, oh, Catherine Kuhlman, miracles, this, this, this. Listen, all these people, Lester Summerall. Oh, I would have loved to have been around Lester Summerall. One of my mentors, Bishop Tommy Reed, mm. says Lester Summerall was not a nice man. He was a hard man. Wow. But he was anointed. Mm. Like Stephen is saying, you're talking about Moses and you're talking about all these others, but our fathers persecuted all of them. Right. Exactly. They hated all of them when they were alive. Mm -hmm. But now that they're dead and they can't convict us with their words and they can't confront us face to face. We want to worship them. We we want to follow them. You're trying to erase their history. And Stephen is saying, no, I'm saying to you the exact same things that they said. Right. And they have a history. Like one of the things he's doing also here, he's calling out the fact you like you like the appearance of being righteous. He's calling them right here on the wait front. Wait a second, of, wait a second. That that was good. Say that again. That he's calling them out for they like the the appearance of being righteous, of mm. looking righteous. Yeah. He's calling out like in the first like you stiff necked, uncircumcised, uh, with uncircumcised hearts and ears. Right at the front end of this whole discourse, he goes that he, um, Abraham was the father of Isaac and of the circumcision. He brought in the circumcision. He said, you guys are all circumcised. You guys all look righteous. You all look like you got it together, but you don't. You're missing it the entire time. You enjoy looking like you're pious, like you honor the forefathers, yep. but you've missed the point. The point was the circumcision of your heart and your ears, not just your flesh on the outside. And Jesus made the statement, you're like a whitewashed tomb. Yeah. You're but you're full of dead men's bones. You look clean on the outside, but on the inside you're dead. Mm -hmm. Stephen is just cutting through it right here. Which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? Verse 52. And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become the betrayers and murderers. Like <laughs> who have received the law by the direction of angels and have not kept it. He's like, our forefathers killed those who prophesied the coming of the just one. And now you have become them. 
Mm. Like you would talk about them, but you have become them now. Mm. Verse 54, and Stephen is done speaking. (laughs) When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart, and they gnashed at him with their teeth. Now, when I, when I think of this terminology, they gnashed at him with their teeth. And, we, you know, we're going through the word verse by verse. Mm-hmm. Midweek move is not about, hey, man, here, like you said, <laughs> you know, the hippies, that was a great idea. But most of that ended very, very badly because mm-hmm. fleshly, like make love, not war, all that stuff, that all sounds good. But when there are no parameters and no boundaries, it always turns out mm-hmm. horribly. That which started out as this this, uh, uh, utopian idea turns into a disaster. Mm -hmm. And we've seen it time and time again. But it's like in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of this, all of a sudden you see this gnashing of teeth. And when I think about that, and again, we're going line by line. This is the word of God. This actually happened. We're not whitewashing anything. We're just dealing with it. I personally have dealt with the demonic before. Mm. And when I say the demonic, I'm not talking about watching a movie or something like that. I'm talking about dealing with the demonic, dealing with, with, with individuals, sadly, who somehow had been opened up to all-out evil. Mm. And when those things manifest in them, it can be... It can take you off guard mm-hmm. if you're not ready it, because you're not used to seeing that type being unleashed on the outside, the inside coming to the outside is basically what happens when somebody gets delivered. Yeah, That which is dead and, and evil on the inside manifests to the outside. You can't hide it anymore. You can't whitewash it anymore. You can't put enough religion on it anymore. It manifests itself. And when I see this terminology of, and they gnashed at him with their teeth, Mm. my mind always goes to the manifestation of the demonic. Mm. Like that which is inside of them is being released towards this one individual, Stephen, Mm -hmm. because they're cut to the heart. They're convicted. Mm -hmm. It's clear from the Bible. They're convicted. But instead of repentance... They're gnashing at the individual. They are all of their angst is coming toward this one individual because he is speaking the truth mm-hmm. to that which they want to continue to hold on to. Right. I think about that gnashing of teeth, and I just think about that rage and evil just mm. coming out. Right. You want to talk about a movie, like a scene in a movie. <laughs> it's like this is happening. Man. Verse 55. But he Being full of the Holy Spirit, man, such a key. Not he being a nice guy, not he, you know, he's a good man. No, he being full of the Holy Spirit, that's the only way this man could deal with this scenario. Mm -hmm. Gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And here's what he said. Look. Like they're gnashing at him with their teeth, so he's not going. Hey, why are you gnashing? At me? Why are you mad at me? I'm not, I'm just a messenger, you know. Right. Da, 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 da. He says, "Look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, as if they didn't already have enough to be <laughs> mad about, and they didn't have enough 
to come against him. He's like, look, if I'm going down, I'm going to tell you exactly what God is doing and what God is saying right now. And what God is doing right now is he has opened up the heavens and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Mm. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears. La, 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 la. I don't want to hear this. I don't want to hear this. Mm. I don't want to hear this. La, 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 la. Like that's what's going on right here. Right. They cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears, and ran at him with one accord. Now, that terminology of one accord, this is super key. We've dealt with this before in previous teachings, but it it literally does not say in unity they ran toward him. Mm Mm-hmm. It says in one accord. It uses the same terminology as Acts chapter two when they were Acts chapter one and Acts chapter two when they were all with one accord. One accord is a little bit different than the word unity. Unity is you can be unified around a goal. Mm -hmm. We have a goal out here. We're going to be unified around this goal, Mm -hmm. right? But one accord is a spiritual unity. Mm -hmm. When they were in one accord in Acts chapter one. It was a spiritual unity. They weren't just unified around, hey, we're going to stay in this room until the Holy Spirit comes. They were unified in the Spirit, Mm. by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Here, it says they were in one accord coming after Stephen Mm. in the Spirit, not the Holy Spirit. Right. You can be unified. You can be in one accord not just with the Lord, but with the devil. Mm. You can come into agreement with the enemy of your soul. You can come into agreement, and there is power in that. Yeah. Right? Absolutely. But not power to bring life, Mm. power to destroy. Right. If not yourself, others around you. That's right. The broad path, this huge, massive path, which may look awesome, at the end of it is destruction, but there's this narrow path. Mm-hmm. One accord on that path will bring you to life and life more abundant. Exactly. Right? So with one accord, they ran to him, verse 58, and they cast him out of the city. And I take this as before Stephen could cast the devils out of them, they cast him out of the city. Like that's what's kind of going on right here. Mm-hmm. They're refusing to allow Jesus to change the inside. And they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Now, let's stop right there just for a second. Dallas, give us kind of a context with what's going on here. They cast him out of the city. They stoned him. And then the witnesses, those that some, uh, according to history, uh, just like mourners, Mm -hmm. some would be paid to be witnesses so that they could give false witness in a court of law or before the Sanhedrin or before the political powers that be that so-and-so blasphemed this or so-and-so blasphemed this. So they would pay them to be witnesses, not just mourners, but also witnesses. These witnesses lay down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. Right. So here we have Saul, and this is someone that we're going to become very familiar with down the road. Um, As far as we know that he is, this is the same Saul that we later know as Paul. Uh, Saul is is his Hebrew name, basically. And he is, uh, what we know later, a a Jew of Jews. He is a man who has authority within the Sanhedrin. He has authority within uh, the local body and the community. He's there as a person, uh, almost like what you're saying. He's there to go, yep, we stoned him and like to, to bring bear witness so he can go, this is what we've done. This is by the book. 
And at the same time, he's bearing witness to this. Um, I believe this laid the seeds for what took place later in his life. While he had such zeal for the Lord that he allowed this to take place, because this was a, for him, this was an act of, of um, what's the word I'm looking for? He did not see this as wrong at this moment. Right. Well, he, basically what's happening is Saul orders a hit right. on Stephen. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you want to put it in layman's <laughs> terms, or if you want to put it in you know terminology, he is a guy that is basically they are sending him out mm-hmm. for any of those that are preaching the gospel, any of those who are leading people to Jesus, mm-hmm. any of those who are speaking the name of Jesus. Saul has been sent out as the heavy right. to order the hit. He didn't all the time put his hands in the situation or right. on the people, but there but, is evidence, though, that he did as well. Right. We learn later on. Mm-hmm. But basically, he orders the hit. Exactly. But the thing is that he does it thinking he's worshiping the Lord that's in right. spirit and in truth. That's right. And I think that's the most tragic part about this. And I can't help but wonder what it's like for him later. Like after he's uh, you know gone through transformation, he's sat with the apostles and he goes, I approved the death of Stephen. I watched it happen. I was there. Yep. So I just can't I can't help but wonder what Imagine this. Like. He's confronted and we'll not get too far ahead, but yeah. he is confronted with the resurrected Jesus mm-hmm. on the road to Damascus. This is the same Jesus that Stephen had said out loud, our fathers mm-hmm. persecuted him. They 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 persecuted the prophets for speaking about him. Mm-hmm. Um we we, right? We murdered this man. Mm-hmm. Saul heard all of that. Exactly. And then he's confronted with that resurrected Jesus. Right. I can't imagine yeah. what, again, <laughs> the fruit of his life bears out what that encounter was. But so the young man named Saul, verse 59, and they stoned Stephen as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Think about that. They're stoning him, and he is calling on the name. He is calling on the Lord. He is calling on the name Jesus. Mm-hmm. He's being stoned for speaking the name of Jesus. Right. That was the accusation. And as he's being stoned, he calls on the name of Jesus. Right. He doesn't stop. We cannot cease. <laughs> I mean, there's so many. If you've ever read like Fox's Book of the Martyrs, mm. like... I'm done. Like I read <laughs> the first page and I don't even know how you can like some of these people being burned at the stake right. while calling on the name of Jesus. Yeah. You know, being crucified upside down, calling mm-hmm. on the name of Jesus. Right. I had read a, a commentary on this a while back. And if you go back up, it talks about how he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the father. Normally the illustration is God is him sitting at the right hand of the father. Somebody said, it's interesting that he was standing almost suggests that, Christ was ready for him. He was mm-hmm. standing ready to receive his his son, his his friend into glory with the Lord. Stephen went into this going, I'm about to go to heaven. Yep. I'm about to finish this race. Yep. Verse 60. And then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. He's not whispering. <laughs> and he's being stoned to death. Cries out with a loud voice, Lord do not charge them with this sin. Mm. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Man. <laughs> Compassion to the end. Follow me as I follow Jesus. Mm. 
You know, it's easy to say, follow me as I follow Jesus. Hey, I'm going to church Sunday morning. You want to go? (laughs) (sighs) Follow me as I follow Jesus. Hey, I invited somebody to church the other day. No, no, no. Stephen literally is doing what Jesus did. Mm -hmm. As Jesus was being crucified, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm -hmm. And Stephen, to the end, Lord, do not charge this against them. Mm -hmm. Do not hold this against them. Right. And, of course, there's, there's... thousands upon thousands of sermons on what it means, you know, he fell asleep and all of that stuff. And, but the way I see this, he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. And, you know, sometimes they, they make that, I think we're lulled sometimes with sermons of, we accentuate things so much that it diminishes what's really going on in the story. And I think falling asleep accentuating that so much in a sermon can make people feel like, oh, well, this is just, Stephen's just chilled. He is being battered. He Mm -hmm. is bloody. He is being stoned. It's not one stone here, and then five minutes later, he is being literally beaten to death with rocks. Right. It's not a peaceful scene. Mm -mm. But there's peace in his heart. Right. Stephen has the peace of God, Mm -hmm. but the scene is not peaceful. Mm -hmm. It is, it is angry. It is demonic. It is evil. It's clear it's demonic because Mm -hmm. of the manifestations that's happened. It's demonic. It's evil. It's dark. It's horrifying. It is terrible. Mm. But yet Stephen, Jesus, do not charge it against him. Look, I see Jesus (laughs) standing at the right hand of God. Right. And then these words, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. I know I'm going, but do not charge them with this sin. Yeah. And he didn't whisper it. He cried it out with a loud voice so that every single person that had a stone in their hand and was ready to throw another one to kill him heard that Stephen till the end did not deny Jesus, but he acted just like Jesus. Yeah. He lived and he died just like Jesus. Right. And I can't imagine what that was like on those people's heads when (laughs) they walked away from that scene. Mm. You literally think you're doing right, but then at the end of it, you hear a man cry out, Lord, do not charge them with this sin as you're killing him. Yeah. You, I don't care what kind of evil you've got, but there has to be something in you that says, wait a second. Stephen couldn't do that as just a good man. Right. How could he forgive us for murdering him? Yeah. And we don't know how many of those people gave their life to Christ, how many of them went on persecuting other Christians. We do know that one young man named Saul, (laughs) everything changes for him. Right. And when it changes for him, it changes for me, it changes for you. Everyone It changes for all of us when that happens. Yeah. And that's the thing about the, the Word of God, and that's the thing about our lives. As much as we want to whitewash everything, and you mentioned threads earlier, one thing that we dealt with with threads is that although we want to take out the dark colors Mm. of the tapestry, those things we hate, those things that were evil and terrible, if you pull those out of the tapestry, the tapestry begins to look more like you than it does about Jesus. Yeah, exactly. But when you leave those dark, rich, terrible threads in there, 
then what ends up happening is when the tapestry is complete, it looks like Jesus. It doesn't look like you. Right. Because even though the dark threads are in there, it's created this picture, this beautiful tapestry. Because if God is for us, who can be against us? And that's why Rahab's in there. <laughs> that's why Esther's in there. That's why Ruth is in there. That's why, you know, that's why a prostitute is in the genealogy of Jesus. Right. Jesus could have ripped that dark thread out of that genealogy. I can't have women in my genealogy. I can't have a prostitute in my genealogy. Are you kidding me? This is written history. We don't have women in there, and we definitely don't have pagan unbelievers in there. Right. But it, Jesus said, leave them all in there. Yeah. Why, Lord? Because that's my family. Yeah. This is the beauty of what can take place for those who lean into me. This is the beauty. And I'm not going to whitewash it. That's the beauty. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty. Man, so good. So deep. That's 60 verses, y'all. 60 verses. Man, that's some good stuff. Some deep stuff, some heavy stuff. Yeah. I don't even know how to finish this. <laughs> um, let's just say this. We should all long to have the passion, the faith, and the wisdom of a Stephen. Mm -hmm. And also the want to, to finish well. Mm. Now, you want to talk about finishing strong? That dude finished strong. strong. <laughs> listen, no matter how you've started, no matter what it's been like on the journey, listen, run your race well and finish strong. Yeah. Finish strong. Man. All right. Well, thanks, Dallas. Always a pleasure. <laughs> Any closing thoughts? Um, just kind of along the same thoughts that you had. Just finish strong. And um, I hope this like challenged you guys actually like to to be like Stephen. This man loved these people. He mm -hmm. genuinely loved them, like Christ loves the world. Yeah. And he was willing to do all this. He knew what he's walking into. I mean, when you're full of wisdom, that doesn't mean that you know how to get out of things. That means you know you got to walk through the things, even if it means something else on the outside. Of it. Ooh, that's so good. We could go another hour just <laughs> on that one statement he just made. Wow. All right. So thank you guys for joining us for the midweek move. Again, grow. Don't just go from this. Grow from this. We're mm -hmm. not just moving from moment to moment. We're growing from moment to moment. Yeah. And we're doing these things to just help us all go deeper in the Word of God, learn more about God. And in the process of that, we learn more about who we really are in Jesus. Exactly. So God bless you guys. Thanks again for joining us for the midweek move.